0: What a lovely dream before it fell apart. Welcome to
1: Now Hear this Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show as well as fans of music in general and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. check out nhte.net. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me on location here in Nashville, my guest is a singer, songwriter, and guitar player from up in Ontario, Canada. She is also a photography model and hosted two popular TV programs up in her hometown. Last year she released a solo album, but also formed a high-energy powerhouse duo. This year she was named the number one rock artist for her area by Reverb Nation. She even had a starring role in a theater production of Legally Blonde. You've been hearing a song of hers entitled Away I Go. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Rose Cora Perry.
0: Thank you so much for having me. And despite the fact we're in Nashville, no, folks, I am not country.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, no pun intended, uh, let's start off by having you talk about the song that was just playing, Away I Go.
0: Absolutely. So Away I Go is the very, very first single off my brand new album, Onto the Floor. And for those of you who are... um, Checking out YouTube. If you go to youtube.com slash you'll be able to check out the music video trilogy series that I, I made for Away I Go Six Feet Under and Empty, and Away I Go, of course, kicks off the whole plot to that. So it's a very, very personal trilogy and a personal song inspired by true events from my own life, of course, treacherous tales of heartbreak, betrayal, romance, the music industry, (laughs) all that stuff wound up and, you know, makes for great songs. Not so good personal situations. However, that's, you know, the amazing power and the incredible power of music that allows you to express those things and be able to relate to other people by expressing those struggles and being able to overcome such things by writing songs about it.
1: So the album was released last November, but Do you know when-ish the song was written?
0: Oh, gosh. I would have no idea because I actually worked on this album for about four years before I decided to release it, which is, I know, very, very atypical anymore because we kind of live in that bigger, better, faster, more, more, more mentality in terms of things being out constantly and everything getting, you know, that's new, getting old really, really quickly. But I'm somebody that's very, very old school. You know, I was raised in the 90s. It was not atypical at all for artists to wait several years between albums. And the reason for that is because, A, it allows you to really evolve as a songwriter be it allows you to experience different experiences in your life that you know cause obviously different sources of inspiration you got a new perspective different wisdom to draw from that kind of thing and I really don't feel that inspiration in any way, shape, or form, should ever be forced. If you want it to be authentic, it comes when it's ready, and you know, I'll go through songwriting dry spells, and that's no problem. I don't ever want it to come across inauthentic, so uh, you know, I, I used four years, and I really just kind of figured out how the music was going to evolve onto itself. I changed the direction a couple of times, originally it was really acoustic-based, but then, I, you know, my favorite band of all time, Reunite, and I was like, all right, I need to add some distortion. Who is that? Veruca Salt. Ah. Yeah, so a, a dual female fronted rock and roll band from Chicago. I love those women. They've inspired me for years, and uh, I was really, really honored to be able to actually meet them last year. And wow. that was kind of what was the impetus for, like, I'm finally going to release this album. It feels like the time is right. Interesting. I, I've thought a lot about how I want this material to come across. How, you know it's changed over the time that I wrote it versus how we have recorded it and what we've added along the way and it felt like the time was right and thanks to Baruch Assault I added some distortion. <laughs> See, I'm
1: glad that you told that story because when you said inspiration can't be forced the first thought that popped into my head is of course because then it's not inspiration but it's no then it's not spontaneity because there is the difference your inspiration is Baruch Assault mm-hmm. however you're saying that you still are of the old school and you don't want to just spontaneously say, ooh, here we go, this is a thought, this means I have to put this out. No, it's just a thought that popped into your head. And if it's a song, great. If not, you, know, you don't have to succumb to the pressures of bigger, stronger, faster, get it out tomorrow, this is the electronic age, record it right away before you forget it.
0: Well, absolutely. And I mean, the thing is, is that I'm somebody you know i've never actually had the the ability to be able just to sit down and be like all right i'm going to write a song right (laughs) now and it's going to be about this subject matter and it's going to be perfectly timed to be three minutes and 30 seconds but it's the perfect radio (laughs) starting now (laughs) yeah it it doesn't work that way i don't know if it works that other that that way for other songwriters if it does that's fantastic but for me it's usually like 2 a.m i hear a melody in my head i'm like oh i dig that and then i hear a couple words that go with that melody i'm like I need to write this down. I need to figure this out. And then I start, you know, plotting out the chord progression. It just kind of grows and develops. And it's very, very organic for me. And I work the same way in the studio. So what I'll do is I'll lay down first the the bass track, you know, in terms of, having just the rhythm guitar very very simple and the main vocals and I'll listen to it for a couple weeks in the car just a really really rough mix and Mm. I'll start writing the harmonies that way Ah. singing along to myself so nothing happens on the spot I like taking my time because that way first off I'm giving my best I know that I'm writing where I am at that point in my life, and it's who I want to be and how I want to express myself. And also, as a consequence, my listeners are going to get better quality overall because I really took my time to ensure that only my best material at that time in my life was on that album—a true reflection of how I've grown artistically.
1: Wow, I like I like the the genuineness of yeah. that. Uh, I'll put you on the spot though. Two a.m. Oh, no. the, <laughs> Two a.m. The idea hits. Mm-hmm. You said you're old school, so is it pen to paper Absolutely, or do you? Yeah, yeah it's no, not it's all into pen a, to paper. a phone a a voice recorder? Nope. Wow. So okay. I, I told a girl. You're I'm, consistent. I am. It's very,
0: very old school. So first is just, I can't even read my writing half the it's, it's terrible. I'll pen to paper it. And then once I figure out the actual chord progression, then I'll type it out on a computer. And I actually, I've invented my own system of tablature because I'm a self-taught wow. guitarist. Wow. So it makes sense in my head, but somebody else reading it would be like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> um, and then what I'll end up doing is once I've gotten to that stage is I'll take this little voice notes recorder on my phone and I'll just have the melody and the strumming progression recorded just really really rough so that I have something to reference when I want to develop that song further.
1: Last question that is spontaneous as opposed to the ones that I intended to ask you. Oh dear. (laughs) Baruch Assault, how, when, and where did you meet them?
0: Uh, So they were actually performing in Toronto, which is about two hours west of where I'm from. I'm from London, Ontario, Canada. They were in Toronto at Lee's Palace, and I've actually had the pleasure of playing that venue too about 10 years ago with my former band. So it was really, really cool to see them grace the same stage that I once graced. And uh, of course, you know, I got the upgraded VIP pass because there was no way. you know, they'd, they'd been broken up for almost 20 years, and the wow. original lineup gets back together. And I, you know, it was such a sore spot for me for so many years because I'm like, I'm never going to be able to see my favorite band of all time perform mm. live because they're probably never going to make amends for all the crazy stuff that happened when they were kids. They did. <laughs> It was amazing, it was just such a beautiful, magical moment to be able to see the dynamic of them interacting on stage, Nina and Louise, and and just seeing that power and that energy and being able to meet them, and I actually gave them copies of my CD, not my new one because it wasn't done yet, but just being able to pass it on to them, a little piece of my heart, a little piece of my songwriting, my musicianship, thanks to them. I like it. So it was really, really cool, and it may not have been significant to them, but it certainly was to me.
1: Nice, nice. You performed here, we're at the NAMM show, Listeners in Nashville, and Rose just performed on the reverb stage outside. Rose, how did that come to be, Um, what with your being all the way up in Canada? And and is that the main reason that you're here for for the performance?
0: That is 100% the reason that we're here, that and to network, you know, because this is such an amazing opportunity to, to meet and greet with industry professionals. And I think that it goes without saying, pretty much everybody knows that the music industry, it's in the States. Canada, we try, but our, our best, you know, Canadians kind of get exported over, <laughs> over to the or U.S. In the ca- or in
1: the case of my all-time favorite band, anywhere, everywhere, all-time Rush. Yeah. You know, they. I mean, they're, they're they they the 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 Rush groups of the world. They don't come along every day. Of course. So you know, they're they're a rare breed. For sure. And for thank sure. and thank goodness they they went for forty-one years. But anyhow, I interrupted you. <laughs> <laughs> no worries.
0: So uh, with respect to Summer Nam, uh, I've been a long-standing Daisy Rock guitar-sponsored artist. I'm actually the very, very first Canadian that they ever endorsed. And the reason for that is because back when I was you know, still an ankle-biter in my teenage years in my first band, I got this crazy idea that... They were not yet in Canada, and I learned about them because when I was originally starting to to figure out how to play guitar, I had tried Fenders, and I tried Gibsons, you know, the industry standards. And I'm a very, very petite woman at five foot four, 105 pounds. And what I found is at the end of, you know, a half an hour, 45 minutes set, my shoulder was killing me. Mm. I'm being honest. It was too much weight to lug around and to be able to be engaging with the audience. Because I like to move, you know, I throw in some Elaine little kick Seinfeld dance moves and stuff. (laughs) And I just, I like having fun and being able to to be free and be able to move. And so I, I realized quickly I needed a lightweight instrument. So I heard about Daisy Rock, I can't even remember how, but I heard about these instruments that were specifically crafted for women, the fretboards are smaller, everything's closer together, they're very, very lightweight, I'm like, I need to check this out. I acquired one, I'm like, this is a guitar that is perfect for me and perfect for women players. Why are these not in Canada yet? Like, this is just Mm. such a tremendous gift to have something that works for me, right, and just tailored for me and for other females. So I got in contact with Daisy Rock. I explained who I was. I didn't have very many bragging rights to my name at that point, but I wanted to you know, work out something that would be mutually beneficial. So it started out you know, as a as a really, really small sort of sponsorship deal, and then it grew from there, and it grew from there. And I've been with them now for about 14 years, and I wow. can't see myself ever looking back.
1: Wow, that's awesome.
0: And I'm so honored that they invited me out here to showcase on behalf of their product line. Ah, and on terrific. top of that the stars aligned because the Canadian government, the FACTOR, it's uh, the Foundation for Assisting Canadian Artists on Record, they actually sponsored our trip financially so that we were able to come out here. So it was just It was one of those things, I guess, that was meant to be, and we feel tremendously honored to be able to come out here, represent Canada, go Canada, and represent Daisy Rock.
1: Absolutely. Well, you mentioned it a little bit when you were talking about the song, Away I Go, but let's have you tell the listeners all about your new album.
0: (laughs) Sure. So, uh, the thing with the new album is, as I said, you know, I really, really took my time. It was a four-year undertaking, so... The the thing that I think is really interesting about this is that if people are familiar with what I've done in the past, you know, I was kind of like this hard rock, really obnoxious chick, (laughs) fronting this grunge project, you know, all about wearing the the torn fishnets and, you know, the mini skirts and stuff and very, very in your face. And it was a very, very heavy kind of band, you know, we're, we're known for being grunge and hard rock. And that was all well, fine and good. I absolutely loved doing that. And I love, you know, the wailing distortion and the heavy double kick and all that stuff. But that's also extremely in contrast with the fact that I'm a classically trained vocalist. Mm. So growing up, you know, I was inspired by people like Sarah Brightman, the original Christine from Phantom of the Opera, and uh, you know Stratford homegrown Canadian Lorena McKenna, who's this phenomenal vocalist and, and and harpist. And so I had those vocal influences, but I also loved wailing distortion. And I'm like, all right, so far in my career, I have never actually been fully able to marry those things together successfully. So this album, I really challenged myself with my songwriting in terms of the direction that I wanted to go. I I wrote a lot of songs using my upper range, which is atypical in rock music. You know, most alternative rock is kind of fairly monotone. It doesn't have a lot of challenge in terms of the dynamics of the vocals, whereas I have songs on that album that's jumping several octaves Mm. because I can do it and I'm like, I really like this direction this is going in. It's still heavy, it's so raw and aggressive, and it's got that rocky feel, but it's also really pretty and melodic. That's cool. I dig it. And it just, it, it, as I said, it really evolved into something on its own because I took my time with it, and I let it evolve. And I really, i got to say, out of everything that I've done in my past, not to say that I'm not proud of my past work, but I feel like as a singer and as a songwriter, I finally found myself and my sound that I wanted with this album, and I'm tremendously proud of it and excited for what the future holds.
1: When you just said, I finally found, I thought of a fellow Canadian, Brian Adams. Yeah. I, found. I was like, oh... <laughs> How's that for bringing things full circle? So you also, you started to mention it, but uh, please elaborate on on the video trilogy series.
0: For sure. So again, I'm somebody who likes to, you know, art, life, kind of all works together. And I really like to be inspired by real life events. And, you know, I like to be authentic with my songwriting and all of my self-expression, whether that's talking about music videos or writing songs or how I present myself on stage. Like it's a piece of me, it's a piece of who I am and I'm giving that to the world. And so music to me, I think, is so awesome because what, what I consider it is to be a universal language. So two people that have absolutely nothing in common could be listening to the exact same song. And the song could actually be in a different language, but you can feel it. You can feel the emotion that is in that music. You can be compelled by the emotion that's in that music. And I thought, looking at how the industry was going these ways, learning about social media. I really prepped myself before releasing this album. I was thinking, hmm, I don't want to make just another rock and roll music video in a dilapidated garage looking awesome and badass with my guitar. Not that that's not awesome, it is. But I want to give... But it's
1: been done before. It's
0: been done before, and I want to, again, be expressive and be true and authentic with my music videos just as much as I am with my actual lyrics. And on top of that, I want people to be listening to what I have to say. Because it's not just about the melody. Great melodies are awesome, but I have a message with a lot of the stuff that I say. And music, to me, is so powerful because it's such an amazing way to relate to other people. And the amount of times I've had people come up to me and say, Listening to one of your songs help me get through something—that's why I do this. That's the greatest compliment I could ever receive as a songwriter. Knowing that somebody else listened to it and it helped them go yeah, through it their struggle—it moved struggles.
1: them to some to some emotion.
0: Yeah, and that's why you know I have the influences that I do. They've been able to help me get through struggles in my own life, and that's so beautiful. So, with the music video trilogy series playing with that idea, also understanding the mentality that we're in the Netflix binging age where people love things that have cliffhangers and hooks and you know <laughs> they're really intrigued by these storylines. I'm like, I want to give people a story and I want to want them wanting more. So I released three videos, one month apart each time, and each one kind of left on a cliffhanger until it came into full circle at the very end and tied the whole storyline back together. And as I said, you know, it's inspired by true events, that terrible romance, that betrayal, the music industry. but. It really, really is compelling about my backstory and who I am as a songwriter and talking about love and life and experiences that we can all relate to and that's what I wanted to give people.
1: But you're a girl after my own heart with the, with the marketing approach that you took to it. But tell me this, they were released one month apart, but. Mm-hmm. Were they filmed all at the same time, no. say like over the course of three days or a week? Or? Oh,
0: I wish. No, no, no. We we were crazy in terms of how we did this because the thing is, is that I primarily tour on the festival circuit mm-hmm. and I knew that we it would not be feasible from a marketing stance and from a management stance to be able to release my album at the same time that I'm worried about performances. You know, you've know, you only got so much energy at the end of the day. If I need to be revved up and in performance mode and focused on that and focused on publiciz- publicizing those events, I can't be concerned with an album release and making music videos. It just doesn't work that mm-hmm. way. It, so,
1: let me interrupt you to, yeah. to let the listeners know that what Rose is referring to is the fact that she is a one-person show. She doesn't have this big elaborate team that can go and do all this stuff for her while she is out there doing her concerts or on the road or just songwriting or insert next activity here. She's doing this all herself, so that's why she's explaining to you that all her energy is going into that one prime, primary area that is as number one on the list at the current time.
0: Absolutely. I mean, like, I know we live in the age of multitasking, but the reality is, is that if your energy is scattered across many tasks, you'll do a half-assed job on all of them. I'm somebody who believes in having a mission, having a focus getting that accomplished and moving on to the next one, and making sure that you're able to give 110%, not to sound cliche, to everything that you take on. And I'm a true DIYer, I do it all, and I need to be focused on what I want to put out there. So we do the festival circuit a lot with my band, and I just, I found that we prefer playing to a family-friendly audience. And also with festivals, I mean, Generally speaking, people are there for the entire event, not necessarily just for the musicians. So You get better turnouts, you get treated really, really well, and it's just nice to be able to play to a diverse amount of people, right? a diverse crowd, versus necessarily playing to a bunch of barflies at 2 in the morning. That's an old-school mentality of touring, and it's not one, especially as a female artist, that I've ever been that fond of, because some of the things that are said to you is, as a woman rock yeah, right. are somewhat inappropriate. Yeah. So. Keeping in mind that we're focused on the festival circuit last year, and I know I have to release the, this album, and I obviously don't want to get too too close to Christmas season either, because then people's heads are, you know, not paying attention oh, yeah. to anything else other than, oh yeah, my god, yeah, talk shopping. about
1: multitasking, then they're scattered in ten different directions. of Whose gift did they get? What yep. store do they have to go to? What's been wrapped? When are we putting the tree up?
0: Yeah, so I basically realized that, okay, so festival season ends pretty much late August. I need to do september october november and i need to be able to film everything edit everything and get it out no later than the middle of each month and that is exactly what we did and when i say diy literally our videography team consisted of one videographer
1: oh my gosh we did all
0: the angles so it wasn't you know we had multiple people there we had to reset up and do every single different shot individually so that we could get all the different angles that we wanted we had one crew member. We had myself, you know, playing the her character as well as, you know, Rose Cora Perry. My drummer, Tyler Randall, playing the him character. Some friends playing the other characters, but it was very, very small, very, very DIY. And that's how it's done. That's so, was this filmed
1: in London or in Toronto?
0: It was all done in London. Wow. And we wanted to implement local talent again to celebrate that London's got some incredible, incredible talent there. And I'm privileged to have some amazing people that we work with. So, the same fella that did our videography for the three music videos also has done all of our promotional photography. And uh, his name is E Man, or Emmanuel is his full name, but E Man for short. And Mystery Man Photography, brilliant absolutely artistic. He got my vision and I know it was a a huge task and a huge undertaking to ask of one person to do, but he did a tremendous job and I sat in with him for all the editing sessions and we put the whole thing together and I couldn't be happier with how it turned out.
1: Let the record show, listeners, that it's London, Ontario. She already said it, so don't think that she went to England to film these videos. And I also want to tell you, I am 100% focused on what you're saying, but darn it, if if there haven't been more occurrences. First, there was the Brian Adams thing, and now you just said E-Man, and I'm thinking of Amy Mann. There you go. Who, of course, people know that there's a Rush link there, too. Uh, But then also, um, a little while ago, when we were talking about what you didn't want to do because you said, oh, that's, you know, it's all been done before. I'm like, "Ah, Bare Naked Ladies. So uh, it's just all kinds of crazy coincidences all over this episode of nhte in the meantime that is rose cora perry right over there next to me she is from london ontario she's a singer songwriter and guitar player and we are here on location at the summer nam show in nashville please visit her official website at rosecoraperry.com. You can look at the title of this episode on your listening device to get the proper spelling so that you can then visit RoseCoraPerry.com, her official website. And for social media, you can find Rose on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, obviously, since you're going to want to go and watch that video trilogy series now that she's done such an excellent job of describing it to you. And please do purchase her music. It is available at RoseCoraPerry.com. If you're absolutely insistent, yes, it's on iTunes and all the other usual online music retailers, but please do consider Rose first and purchase it through her website. If you're going to purchase anything at all from the good people at Amazon, I would really appreciate it. I say this every week, but I really do Appreciate you're considering going to nhte.net and click on the tall Amazon banner to get over there. It will kick a small percentage, a very small percentage of the sale back to nhte. It will not be any extra cost to you. And yes, it will open the app on your phone if that's how you choose to go there. If you love the show so, so much that you want to, say so with a small contribution we have a patreon campaign you can get there through patreon.com slash nhte or just go to nhte.net and there is a patreon button there that you can click on to go over there there's some nice thank you rewards at the different levels there's also a facebook group that you can join to talk with other listeners of the show it is called nhte listeners or just go to nhte.net and click on the button for the facebook group please write in and say hello let me know where you're listening from any thoughts on the show The address is podcast at nhte.net. And while you're on nhte.net, make sure you sign up for the e-newsletter. Also note, if you don't already, that this show is available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. There are icons that you can click on to go to any one of those directly to the show page. Those are at nhte.net, as are the icons for our social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. So, Rose, we were talking about your videos. You are no stranger to being in front of the camera. I am not. Since you are well-rounded in your career, and that includes having hosted two popular TV programs back up in Ontario. Tell mm-hmm. the listeners about those projects.
0: So my journalism uh, foray <laughs> actually began, again, as a consequence of music. Pretty much everything that I've done is kind of spawned from music and just taken on a life of its own. But I think that's really, really awesome because as an artist, I fully, fully believe that people should express and, and uh, explore the different aspects of their life and do what they want to do. I mean, there, there's no point in living in regret. I mean, if there's something in your heart that you want to try, even if you totally suck at it, just do it. Mm. Because it's better knowing that you actually took that chance and took that opportunity than thinking, well, what if I actually tried that? Yep. So what happened is uh, way back in the day when I was fronting and managing my, um, my second band, which became the, the more popular one. We got signed worked Tour and all these really, really cool things. We were called Antihero. I was trying to learn a bit more about the the business side of things, of the music biz, because let's face it, it's a business. It's not about the music, it's about the business. And uh, I was learning a lot that there's a lot of nonsense and propaganda and garbage out there. And and in particular, I got really, really upset about hearing about these overnight success stories, because that's not reality. (laughs) It's certainly not for an independent Canadian homegrown talent. That's just not how it works. And so I started writing this advice column called So You Want to Be a Rock Star for my fellow independent musicians telling them straight, listen, these are common scams you'll run into. This is what the music industry is actually like from an independent stance if Mm. you're trying to navigate things yourself. Based off of the success of that, I did that for about three years. It got syndicated worldwide. I had a readership of over 100,000 at the end. People dug it. I kind of got carte blanche in terms of writing about anything I wanted for this paper. And several other columns I, I did, they got syndicated as well. And as a consequence of taking this foray into print journalism, I also got to interview some really, really cool people like Henry Rollins from Blackfoot. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um, Alan Cross, who is, you know, this amazing, amazing radio host in in Canada that is just known for uh, having this extensive, incredible knowledge of rock and roll history. Uh, And he's been a host uh, at Edge 102 for the longest time, for as long as I can remember. So, based on the, the fact that I had interviewed people myself, as well as been in the hot seat many times, you know, from being an artist and, and being a creative in that sense, uh, I saw this uh, this ad on Kijiji for this new program that they were trying to get off the ground in London, you know, just a local production, and it was going to be focused all on profiling local entrepreneurs that were young people, right? Mm-hmm. So people in their twenties and thirties trying to contribute to the London Ontario scene, mm-hmm. develop and cultivate it, and use their skills and whatnot. I'm like sounds like a pretty cool concept. Now, I've never actually worked in TV, but I think I could do it. <laughs> like, Why not, right? Sure. The worst that they can say is no, and exactly. that's kind of the attitude you have to have in anything entertainment-wise. The worst that they can say is no, but if you don't that's actually right. try, and you don't show up to that audition or whatever, you're never going to know. So I showed up, they liked me, but they wanted me to tone down my makeup a little bit, uh, and they wanted me to dress you know, less rock and roll and more professional. So, I went out and I bought a bunch of cute blouses, uh, and uh, I toned down my makeup, and I, I successfully did that for almost two years. Awesome. And as a consequence of doing um, such a great job on that show, I got picked up to do guest hosting on a in-studio show. So I got to do both live hosting, where I had to memorize my script and my questions and be on the spot and be able to you know, work very, very well with the, the guests that I had, and like you, feed off of what they're saying mm-hmm. and be able to come up with questions on the fly, as well as read off of the teleprompter. Um, and the funny story that I can tell you about that is that, you know, most people would think that the live setting is probably more intimidating because more pressure's on. Like you get one take and that's just the way it's got to be. Sure. But in reality, what happened is when I was doing the in-studio one time, my teleprompter started going backwards. Oh, boy. Oh, that boy. That was hysterical. <laughs> and I don't read backwards. I don't think anybody does. <laughs> Not many does. of us do. So I had to do a throw to go to commercial break, and I'm like, all right, folks, you know, blah, 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 we'll be right back. And I managed to pull it off, and nobody knew the difference. I just said whatever was on my head at the time, but it was totally hysterical. But, I mean, an awesome experience. I got to learn what it was like working on the other side, you know, of the camera and the other side of the, the interviewing hot seat, and it was just really cool to do. I wanted to try it, so I did.
1: Okay, now it's time for Bruce's Bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, since the Bruce's Bonus segment every week is a tip, let's talk about the tips you get at your live shows. Do you have a see-through tip jar so people know that that's what it is? or something that says tips on it. I saw someone with a metal Bud Light pail on the stage. How are people supposed to know that that's your tip jar? Make sure you seed it with a couple bucks too. And here's a neat subliminal tactic. When someone throws in a tip, say on the mic, oh, thanks, that's the first tip of the night. It will register that people that they should tip and it will also make them less nervous about being the first to go up. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus.
0: How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40, 41 to 80, and 81 to 120, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery.
1: Another foray of yours. Uh, We're getting back to music now is the fact that as i mentioned in the intro last year you not only released your solo album but you formed a duo
0: i did yeah so
1: take us through that kind of that that timeline
0: sure so again that entirely goes back to the fact that brook salt made me add distortion to my album <laughs> <laughs> what happened is originally like when i started writing onto the floor i kind of envisioned it to be very very similar to off of the Pages, my debut solo album which was very experimental acoustic oriented you know very just light and airy and there was a bit of aggression on it, but certainly nothing comparable to what I used to do. But when Onto the Floor was coming together and I'm trying to merge these different influences and I add the distortion, I realized very, very quickly that there was no way I was going to be able to tour with just an acoustic guitar and my little old voice and be able to pull it off and do the songs justice. They had way too much dynamic and energy. I felt like something would be lost in translation. Now, the truth untold does, upon occasion, pull up out the acoustic and the cajon, and we do it. But admittedly, we much prefer to be rocking up there with my Daisy Rock and Blackstar amp.
1: Tell the listeners you just said the truth untold as though people know what that is. Explain, oh, because keep in mind that that we've been blessed to get listeners to the show from <laughs> 127 countries around the world. So there's going to be people listening who are just being introduced to Rosecore Perry for the for first sure. time, and thus they don't know what the truth untold is. No
0: problem. So The Truth Untold was the duo that I ended up forming as a consequence of the fact that I I quickly acknowledged that there was no way I could just do the singer-songwriter schlick. It it just wouldn't work for the music. And I mean, admittedly, you know, as the former frontwoman of two rock quartets, when I was doing a solo tour, it's not that I didn't enjoy it, but I really missed having that camaraderie of being in a band and being able to feed off of each other's audi- or, you know energy because it's one thing to grab the the energy from the audience, you know, to have a good show and be interacting and having fun with those people, but it's another thing to be up there and turn around and see somebody on that same team as you and be rocking with you and having a great time and just being in that zone and I really, really miss that a lot, you know. It's, it was hard to tour on my own, I won't lie. So.
1: Yeah, the, that, the trio of me, myself, and I, yeah. it just didn't work for you. No, it didn't, and I mean,
0: all the power to the people that can go up there and feel like they can get that same energy level, but I'm just not one of those people. I love that rock and roll feel and that rock and roll energy, and I love being part of a band, so to speak. And, I mean, originally I had envisioned The Truth i being a, a rock trio, you know, very, very punk rock and that kind of thing, and we did try to have a couple bassists along the way, but it just it didn't really work out, and I'm very, very fortunate fortunate in finding the, the incredible talent in my drummer, Tyler Randall, and him understanding my music, like right from the very first moment we met each other. I would play and he would play something in sync with me and it's like mm. it was meant to be. He just totally got what I was trying to do and the dynamic and the rhythm. And it's funny because our influences are nowhere close to the same at all, wow. but he got it and we just gelled and it made sense and it worked and damn it, we're gonna do it. It might not Fantastic. be normal, it might be a little weird, but we love doing it. We love the music that we're playing and you know, just it, it's been an awesome experience so far. We've been together for about a year and a half and we're really excited for what the future will hold.
1: Rose, I'm fascinated by these highlights from your early years. You have been a performer since age four, a writer since age seven, and became CEO of a record label and publicity firm at age 15.
0: Yes. (laughs) So basically, um, the four years old thing goes down to the fact that my parents you know, I'm pretty convinced that the moment I came into this world out of my mother's womb, I was probably singing, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna put her in vocal lessons. And so I started doing that, and my very first performance was at a venue in London, Ontario called Aeolian Hall. It's this huge, phenomenal venue tall ceilings, incredible acoustics, and there I was this little twerp singing Castle on a Cloud from Lane Miserable, and everybody's coming up to me, oh it's Little Cosette! And <laughs> that was my first performance ever. Um, I started writing songs really really early too, and they were terrible. I'm not going to sit here and defend <laughs> the talent of them, but I just, I always loved writing in general and being expressive through words and through poetry, and yes, all pen and paper, right? And then I just, I started getting these melodies in my head. And again, it's never been something that I've thought about actively, it just happens. And I feel very blessed that that I have that bizarre connection with the universe, but it comes when it's ready. And so I just, I started putting these things on paper and, and, and putting words with them. And my first song, ironically enough, uh, was actually about environmentalism and saving animals and all that stuff. Wow. Which is hysterical because I was a hardcore carnivore up until,
1: <laughs> up until about
0: 2009 and then I became vegan. So it was like some sort of foreshadowing that I would become vegan and, and part of that movement. So it's pretty funny that, you know, as a little twerp at seven. I was writing about stuff like that. And then in terms of the record label founding, well, that was honestly out of necessity. So my first band, I, it was an all-girl band formed with high school colleagues, and we're kids. We don't know what we're doing, but I was trying to learn about the industry at a very, very uh, young, young juncture. Okay. Because I knew once I got that taste for rock, even though I thought I was gonna do Broadway and thought I was gonna you know, do Phantom of the Opera, and that kind of stuff, I don't know, there was something about getting on stage that was freeing and all of that attitude and expression and something—it was more fulfilling to me than singing everything by the book, that classical training. Because there, because
1: the there are teacher. no limits.
0: Yes, and it just—it felt right, and it, it was a huge departure from that anything that I had done before with my vocal, my vocal training. Of course, and my vocal teacher said, "What are you doing? Your voice, your voice!" But it felt right. It felt like who I was. So I decided I was going to try and figure out and navigate this and build from the bottom up everything that I could and take in everything that I could and learn off my mistakes and the mistakes of others. And I was fairly certain that if I wanted to be taken seriously, the very first rock album I ever made, terrible, I'll fully admit it, <laughs> but I'd just been playing guitar for about six months when I wrote this whole thing. Oh, I see. I wanted to really sit on a label. Nobody was going to pick us up at that point. So I formed my own label, damn it. Why not? a girl. Why not?
1: (laughs) Well, you've you've made a few references to this before, but I just want the listeners to understand and again, primarily for those who are just hearing about you for the first time, Mm -hmm. that as the former front woman of anti-hero, they were a major label signed act.
0: We were. We were. And that was all entirely from me learning about this business from when I was 15 until now, navigating the ins and outs myself. Trying to, you know, get the attention of the right people. And what I learned is one of the most important rules that I could impart on to any other independent musicians that are listening is never stop. If there's something you want, go after it. And if you want to get attention, be consistent always have something out there to promote, to keep in people's faces. There's so much competition, especially in the age of social media and YouTube, you need to constantly be putting something out there and keeping people engaged and not letting them forget about you. So a golden rule that I always have is that for every single event we have, I need at least one media outlet to cover it. At least one. And I will keep harassing people until that happens.
1: Because that
0: is how you get a reputation. And that's how anti-hero finally, you know, was able to attract somebody. It's about building that buzz. And, you know, it's not going to happen overnight because there's no such thing as an overnight success. And anybody who tells you differently doesn't know a damn thing about the music industry. It's a lot of hard work. If you want to go anywhere, it's a lot of hard work. And believe me, I'm nowhere close to where I want to be yet, but that's not going to stop me from trying.
1: I love the attitude, and you heard her say engagement. So remember, this is Rose Cora Perry, who I'm talking to. She is a singer, songwriter, and guitar player from London, Ontario up in Canada, and you can find her online at RoseCoraPerry.com. Do engage with her. She is on Facebook, Twitter, and obviously YouTube, as we mentioned before. Please do purchase Rose's music. It is available on her website, RoseCoraPerry.com. As I mentioned before, you can find it in the usual online music retailers. However, there's an emphasis that really helps these independent artists a lot if you buy their music directly from their website. So please consider that when you purchase Rose's music. Please consider purchasing anything at all from Amazon by starting at nhte.net. Click on the tall Amazon banner to get over there so that they will kick back a small percentage to this podcast. You can contribute directly to us through our Patreon campaign. It's patreon.com slash nhte or just look for the Patreon button at nhte.net. It's right alongside the button for the Facebook group which is called NHTE Listeners. Drop me a note just to say hello or let me know where in the world you're listening from. Any comments on the show, the email address is podcast at nhte.net. Remember that you do not have to just sit in front of your computer to listen to this show. You can take it with you anywhere, on an airplane, at the beach, if you spend a lot of time in your car, if you work out, if you walk for fitness, all good times to listen to NHTE. It's on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Please subscribe and tell a friend. And engage with us on social media through Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. There are icons for all of those at nhte.net. Rose, I'm interested to hear about the nonprofit foundation Music Saves, which was launched in association with the launch of your debut solo album, Off mm-hmm. of the Pages.
0: Mm-hmm. So, as a musician who, I've already alluded to this. Music in itself has saved my life, hence the name of my non-profit organization. And I'm somebody who very, very much believes in that universal power of music to bring people together and to be able to relate to them and to use music as an amazing coping mechanism to overcome the things that you're going through as a songwriter, but also as a listener to use it and be like, wow, that song totally gets me. I understand what that person's going through because I'm going through it myself, and it makes me feel a little bit better in this world knowing that I'm not alone. So acknowledging all of that, and acknowledging the fact that I was a crazy teenager, I went through some insane stuff. I mean, I think that it goes without saying we all have emotional baggage in this world, and we never know from looking at somebody, from even interacting with them on a superficial level, what somebody's baggage is, what their background is. But I think it goes without saying that Life can kick the crap out of you, a lot of the time. And I've found music to be a beautiful and powerful outlet to get those emotions out in a healthy way, because I think that, especially in the rock and roll scene, I've seen far too much devastation and destruction and loss from Drug use and abuse and alcoholism, and people drowning their sorrows and not knowing how to cope properly. And if I had to say anything about our educational system, it's that we don't teach people coping skills. And if you don't come from a family that's got coping skills and you don't have a psychological background, you know, and know what's going to work for you, what do you have? You're trying to figure it out for yourself. And so I formed this non for profit organization, keeping in mind that I went through a crazy amount of struggles as a teenager growing up. I I was tremendously bullied. It's not an an over-exaggeration to say that I was probably the biggest loser at my high school. People spat on me as I walked down the hallway. I got, you know, threats for various things. Rumor central. Mm. And I mean, this is prior to the days of social media, so it was done in person, but it doesn't matter. It still has a huge toll on your self-esteem. Absolutely. And it still has a a huge toll on, you know, your self-concept and who you are. And I mean, I don't think anybody ever deserves to be bullied, and I really wish that we would encourage people to be more loving as opposed to hateful towards each other, and I also really wish that we would encourage people in general to, instead of thinking that they need to cut somebody down to make themselves feel better, to be confident in their their own abilities, and if they're not, work on it. Because we all have weaknesses, we all have strengths, there are a million singers and songwriters and guitarists out there that are way better than me, but I'm also better than some out there too. But you know what, if I acknowledge that I've got a weakness instead of trying to tear somebody else down to build myself up, I'm gonna build myself up instead because that's how it should be, you focus on the self. So being that I was a teenager and I got bullied and I went through a lot of stuff and I internalized a lot of that, you know, I I was a very tortured soul for many, many years and I think that's probably pretty apparent in my songwriting, it was very, very (laughs) dark and depressive but people could also relate to it because clearly they were going through dark times too acknowledging all of that, I wanted to be able to come up with a way of giving back to people. It's still something I'm trying to get off the ground. Uh, Admittedly, it's not, you know, It's it's something that I want to grow into eventually, it's not quite there yet, but again, it's something that I'm going to continue to try and continue to push forward with. So my end goal is that I'm able to raise enough funds so that I can do a tour across North America, going to high schools, and speaking to troubled teenagers about my own experiences and just being flat out about it, you know, not not trying to act like I'm an adult and I know better than them and you see here, talking to them openly, honestly, and earnestly. You're not
1: going to sugarcoat it.
0: Exactly. And saying that, yeah, there were times where I attempted suicide and I thought about it seriously. There were times where I looked in the mirror and I was so disgusted by my own appearance, I vomited at my own appearance. So I went through those hard times and it's okay to feel that way. And you're safe to talk about those things. You shouldn't feel ashamed. Mental illness and depression and all those things are just as freaking serious as physical disabilities and ailments and they need to be treated as such. And so the whole concept behind Music Saves and what I want to do is creating open safe places for people to feel that they can talk about it and also to try and impart onto people, please don't do drugs. I know it's a really, really easy way and an easy way to cover up stuff. I mean, whether we're talking pharmaceutical stuff or not, it doesn't actually get at the root cause. I totally get if you've got some sort of chemical imbalance that is a naturally occurring neurological thing. I get that. You need it? That's fine. But don't try to cope that way because it just causes so much death and destruction. Instead, find a positive outlet. It doesn't have to be music, but just something.
1: Well, and what I keep hearing as a common thread woven throughout everything that you just said is talk about it. Yes. Is if you have some kind of issue, talk about it. Yes. Don't internalize it. Don't turn to drugs. Don't
0: take it out on Don't others. have your
1: low self esteem drop all the way down to the bottom floor. Talk about talk it, about and it. and that's what, in your case, that's what music saves. Is is aiming to. To accomplish with in this case uh, high school students. On a, on a lighter note, because we're we're just about I know finished that was here. Heavy. <laughs> yeah, so so I want to I want to finish uh, with something fun here. Tell me about having gotten invited to attend the Grammy Awards in Los Angeles in 2011.
0: So that was a crazy thing. So basically, back in the antihero days, what happened is that we played work Tour the same year that Joan Jett was there. And her touring photographer took a liking to us because I guess I kind of, in some way, resembled a young Joan to him because, I, you know, at that point I had the short black hair and I love wailing on my guitar the same way that she does. Um, in fact, I actually got that comparison today, so clearly it's still sticks, <laughs> but that's cool. I mean, she's a hardcore rhythm player. She likes keeping things steady, really dirty, really grungy, and I'm the same way with my guitar playing. I'm not about the fancy licks and trills. Like, that's not my thing. I'm a singer, first and foremost. I write songs. And everything is based around that melody and just driving that home. So, the touring photographer for Joan Jack really took a liking to us. He introduced me to this writer for a magazine that was a really, really major up-and-coming publication in Chicago's Music Magazine, and he did a whole profile on us. He just really, really liked us, too. Boy, oh, boy. I stayed in touch with him, and uh, the year that I released my debut solo album, it turned out that he was a committee member for the Grammys, He's like, I'd like you to come with me. And so, that's another thing about this music industry and stuff. Again, this is advice for independence. Build and maintain relationships because you never know how things are gonna turn out in the future. You never know who knows who and how, you know, one connection that might seem completely innocuous at the time will turn into a life-changing experience later on.
1: Yeah, one day you appear on Now Hear This Entertainment, and the next thing you know, Bruce Horzniak becomes the new Ryan Seacrest. That's exactly And then <laughs> you contact your old friend, Bruce Horzniak and you say, hey, it's Rose Cora Perry. Remember we did the thing in Nashville? Put me on this new show that you're the host of. Well,
0: that's exactly Lo and behold. And I mean, the thing is, is that you never know how, you know, the direction that people's lives are going to take either, right? Everything is kind of up for grabs, and if there's something that you want, just keep, go out there, pursue it, do what's in your heart, and just have fun, build relationships, and always be grateful. That might be the Canadian in me, but Pam Anderson said actually a really, really smart quote. She was talking about what makes her different from American celebrities as Canadian. She said, she's persistent, but polite. And I think that pretty much sums up our mentality.
1: You can look on the Now Hear This website, it actually says that my four Ps approach is patient, polite, professional, but persistent. Nice. Yeah. Uh, listeners, there's been a nice bunch of irony on this episode. <laughs> um, Rose has talked a couple times. You just heard her mention the Vans Warped Tour. Go back and listen to episode 137 when I interviewed Marco Argiro from The Killing Floor, and he told a really fun story speaking of what you just said about getting invited to the Grammys. Uh, Marco told a really cool story about them having played on the Vans Warped Tour in the blazing heat of oh, Las yeah. Vegas. Uh, Rose, we're going to close today with a song of yours entitled Empty. So before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please.
0: So I would say that out of all the tracks on the album, this is the one where my old school 90s and anti-hero days really, really shine through. (laughs) It's it's taken it back to that alternative, just grungy kind of era. And uh, it's a driving, driving song. And I'm really hoping that people dig it. And once again, I mean, bringing things around full circle, because I like doing that with all aspects of my art, is of course the, the grand finale of my trilogy series because I wanted to, you know, pay homage to what I used to be, but leave listeners with the fact that I'm somewhere else now, but that's okay too.
1: Nicely said. Rose, thank you ever so much. This has been great. I appreciate you making time for me today.
0: No, thank you for having me. It's been an honor. And again, I hope that people will check out, obviously, your amazing podcast and check that out, as well as visit my website, just Rose, like the flower, Cora, C-O-R-A, and then Perry, like Joe Perry from (laughs) Aerosmith.com.
1: Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My heartfelt thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player, Rose Cora Perry. You just heard her give it out, but I'll give it one more time for her, RoseCoraPerry.com. Remember, social media, like her Facebook page, follow her on Twitter, subscribe to her YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell who you heard her and her music, and now hear this entertainment. And do purchase her music through her website, please. If you absolutely, positively insist on getting it elsewhere, just flat out buy it, support her. It's on iTunes and other online music retailers. Don't forget to visit www.nhte.net and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. That really does help the show a lot. If you are listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and repost episodes there, and you can also follow on SoundCloud. Engage with the show, too. Go to nhte.net and click on the icon to go join the Facebook group. You can also write in via the email address podcast at nhte.net. Get with us on the various social media platforms that you'll find links to at nhte.net those being Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Please also consider supporting the show with a donation through Patreon. There's a button at nhte.net for that. And check out the shirts and hats at nhte.net as well. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song by Rose Cora Perry. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Empty.